Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Good Monday morning. It's feeling a little bit, uh, a little bit balmy in the air. It is. Yeah. I walked outside. I said, I don't know if I really need this winter coat today. Yes. 68 today, guys. I'm loving it and a little bit a little bit more light as you're getting up and getting going this morning. That's also true. Everybody do okay with daylight savings time? Oh, extra hour of sleep for sure. I mean, <laughs> hour of sleep. it didn't really do anything for me. I had my alarm set at seven. I forgot about the thing. And so oh. I woke up and it was like six in the morning. Now, it wasn't because of my alarm. My body clock Your just body woke clock. me up. Yeah. And I was like, how is it only six o'clock? And then I forgot, you know, I, rem- I remembered a couple hours later it was... It was the the clock change. So yeah, my body clock Sunday morning. I was I was awake bright and early at yeah. what I at like our normal yeah man weekday wake up time. Yes, I did have I guess a bit of a a bit of a daylight savings time fail in our house this morning. Oh, uh, what'd you do? Oh no, this morning. Well, okay, so church yesterday fine without a hitch, but yeah. I forgot to. My son relies on his digital clock. Okay. For for the week. One you have to manually. The one you have to manually yes. manually change. So apparently at about five thirty this morning. <laughs> no. He walked in fully dressed and ready for <gasps> school. <laughs> oh. Hey, good for him for getting up and doing Sweetheart. it. Oh my goodness, he didn't. Oh, well, no. and uh, I hope he's sleeping because he definitely has another at least until six thirty. But fail on my part for not oh. resetting his digital clock. <laughs> ah, that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, my you got dad. a lot to do. Remembering the clock in his bedroom, well, it, you know, there's a only... being late, right? It's, yeah. it's good thing. Yeah, it's, it's good thing nobody forward. was late. Yeah. I mean, I made sure to change. I think the only clock that I actually had to change was the one in the kitchen. Yeah. And then I didn't, I just didn't get to the bedroom once because I don't even, I rely on a phone. Right. I know yeah, you, it's, right. It's probably, that's not I mean, the I do best. the same thing. But my son doesn't have a phone, so he relies on the digital clock. My bad. Okay. My bad. I'll just quietly put that aside. <laughs> quietly. Oh, hopefully all is quiet in uh, Casa oh, de Domersant. Yeah. <laughs> hey, coming up this week, uh, we are going to be talking about uh, what it looks like to live a blessed life. It's a big hashtag, blessed, but what does it really look like? Start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, I think it's common to link blessing to good things that happen to us or to things that we receive. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So a a new baby is a blessing. That's right. Yeah. And Young Thunder, a blessing is headed your way. I know, and I'm very excited. And it's true. It is a blessing. (laughs) Absolutely. It's a blessing. You might, God might provide a new home and you feel blessed by God. Uh, what are some other examples, common examples of things that we link to blessing? That if I have this, if I experience this, then I am living a blessed life. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, I, I kind of whittle it down this way that maybe it's in the sense that God answers my prayers the way I want him okay. to. He provides for me in the way I was hoping for, or he just provides for me in an extravagant type of way. You know, I'm like, wow, I'm really blessed. 
And sometimes it's not, it doesn't feel extravagant, but it feels like, hey, this is just enough. So yeah. I think it comes down to provision, provision. in some type of okay. way. Okay, I like that. I think friendships and relationships, mm. that Absolutely. can be a blessing. That can be a blessing. Mm-hmm. So when we look at Matthew 5, this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is a very popular, commonly known passage of scripture. And it starts out with uh, the Beatitudes. Beatitudes uh, are, the Latin root word means blessed or happy. Mm -hmm. So it's these series of statements that start with blessed are, and then it goes on to describe. But first let's define this word blessed. So blessed the way it's used here is really, as one commentator put it, a state of well-being in relationship to God, a deep profound joy. So this is more than just sort of the temporal, I received this, I'm hashtag blessed. Mm -hmm. This is that state of well-being that all is right between me and God, that I am experiencing this deep joy because me and God, I'm right with him. I'm walking with him. And so how do we get there? How do we get to that place of deep joy, deep satisfaction, that well-being in our relationship with God. Well, let's read from Matthew 5. It says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the first one I want to tackle. We're going to march through all of these throughout the week, but blessed or blessed are the poor in spirit. We don't often link poverty to blessing. Not at all. If you were to, if we think about poverty in the most often way it's used, the lack of resources, the lack of what I feel like I need. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't usually say, I'm struggling to pay my bills, therefore I'm blessed. Yeah. Yeah, not the same sentence. Finances (laughs) are really tight. Yeah. Therefore, I'm blessed. Mm -hmm. So there's got to be some other meaning to this word poor in spirit. Right? Right. So I I looked this up because this is, I think this is one of the more unusual ones to be, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Anyone anyone know offhand? Uh. I, I think I may I may not be correct on this. Okay, so I'm give it a it guess. Way, but, give it a guess. Uh, I would say something along the lines of humility. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. I think that's I right in line. It. So to be poor in spirit is a recognition that you are completely spiritually mm-hmm. bankrupt. Gotcha. Apart from God, yeah. that you have nothing to offer. Why would that lead to blessing? Why would there be a blessing associated with recognizing your own absolute nothingness. <laughs> well, I think we we talk about it here, you know, a decent amount. I think Carl, especially when he talks about humility, he says it's the birthplace of all other virtues. And so, you know, our love for one another comes from a sense of humility, a yeah. sense of stripping down our pride, saying, hey, I'm not all that. You know, mm-hmm. I have things that are wrong with me. And by the grace of God, I've been saved from those things, yeah. and I think that's what brings forth those other virtues. And that's just it. Less of me means more of God to do his will. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Can you come to Christ authentically without being poor in spirit? I would say no. I'm not no. sure that you can. No. Because I think a lot of times people live at a place where they 
feel very self-satisfied. Maybe yeah. like I'm not where I could be. You've heard people say that. I'm I'm sure. not I'm not what it could be, but yeah. you know, I'm not all that bad. Yeah. I'm better than most. Absolutely. Try to be a good person, try to live a good life. And that's dangerous. It is dangerous. Very. Because being poor in spirit, recognizing that you have nothing. You bring nothing. You have nothing. And it's only by the grace of God that you can take hold of real life. So coming up, what does it look like to live that way? To live poor in spirit. We'll talk about it more coming up here on Carlin Crew Mornings. Helping you take the next step in your walk with Jesus. This is Carlin Crew Mornings. Well, you know, if you read scripture for any length of time, you realize that all of the most of the Bible is kind of upside down in terms to in terms of what we would think apart from the word of God. So by this, I mean, when you look at something like blessed are the poor in spirit, I think only in scripture would poverty be linked to blessing. Yeah, oh, yeah the norm so. culture would be like, <laughs> what? And this theme is repeated everywhere that you are to deny self. You mm. are to take up your cross. You are to go lower and not higher. Right. All of these ways that we are called as Christ followers to kind of live counterculturally. And this is a big one. Poor in spirit. If you were to apply for a job, let's think about this for a second. What do you need to apply for a job? You need a resume, right? Correct. Yep. What's usually on a resume? A list of what? Your accolades, your history yes. of, of past work experience and yeah. things like that. That would help you for this References. job. References. Yes. This is what I bring to your company. <laughs> yep. This is what I would offer. Mm -hmm. This is how I would strengthen your current uh, business practices. Or this is the special skill, the special talent. You should hire me because I can do good things for your company. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you've ever done a job interview, you 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 learn how to, in the best possible way, sell yourself. Correct? Yeah, exactly. Correct. You've, mm -hmm. Jonathan, have you how many job interviews have you done? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, I wait, wait, wait a second. Okay. You Back are a young man <laughs> yeah. who's who's not done a ton you've not done a lot of work. Yeah, you're right. Well, I don't mean that you're not hard working. <laughs> I, I mean, you haven't had a lot of jobs. I haven't had a lot of jobs. <laughs> a young man who hasn't worked much. Wow. Yeah. I'm well, sorry. You know. No, it's okay. <laughs> I I can't remember how many places I've interviewed for because obviously I haven't gotten the job at every single one of them. Sure. But, uh, you know, I've probably interviewed for around seven jobs okay. and I've worked three. Okay. I worked at McDonald's. I worked at FedEx and I worked here. <laughs> So it's quite I'm the jump. Sorry. That's, <laughs> no, I think that's awesome. I yeah, you've been yeah. here a while. Yeah, which is great. You're Absolutely. A, you're, there's, it's a good thing. It's been a blessing, it's if I a, can it's, say. It's been a blessing. <laughs> there you go, Super Die. You've done a fair amount of interviews, correct? Oh yes. And, and there's that pressure, right? To, there is, yeah. Especially when you really do, really, really want that job. Yeah. And that kind of first impression, you're nervous with that. Mm -hmm. Do I have the right resume? Did I put the right information on there? I mean, there's all sorts of things that are handled in that interview and, and personalities and clicks and what they're looking for. And sometimes they ask those cryptic kind of questions and you're thinking, did I answer that right? Yep. Yeah. Stressful. Well, if you want to live a blessed life, and that's what we're talking about this week, throw out the resume. Throw yeah. out the resume. Yay. Totally different approach here. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. True blessing is being in right relationship with God. 
that state of well-being, that deep sense of joy, that you and that you have made peace with God, that you were walking with God. So when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we look at the Beatitudes, gives us these eight different statements, blessed are, and Beatitudes just comes from a Latin root word, which means blessed or happy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's what we're focusing on. The poor in spirit will see the kingdom of heaven. Let me get this exact language for you. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's out of the uh, ESV version. So uh, throw out your resume because every... Everything else in life points you to offering up what you have. Yeah. Showcasing yourself in the best possible light. I have a LinkedIn profile, as I'm sure many of you do, Mm -hmm. where I have a list of where I went to school. And then they have you go and mark down different skills and things that would make you employable or attractive I have a LinkedIn profile. I'm not looking for a new job. Let me preface it. <laughs> well, sure. You keep a LinkedIn profile no I matter what. I keep a LinkedIn Oops. profile. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great tool for networking it for is. other people mm-hmm. who are in similar industry. Yeah. But yeah, you go through and you you list all of the things that you can do. Yeah. I have some video editing skills. I have some uh, interviewing skills. Things like that, right? Absolutely, yeah. And so you build this profile, and I think it's tempting to apply that to our spiritual life. And many people think, I, I, when I come to God, I want to. I, He's done so much for me. I want to have something to bring to Him. Yes. So let me clean up myself, or let me try to. I, I give to charity or I, um, I, I'm really nice to people or I volunteer. And so therefore, I, I, maybe I can take hold of the kingdom of heaven. Poverty of spirit is a re- accurate recognition that I bring nothing to the table. I can't take hold of the kingdom of heaven if I'm trying to rely on my resume. Mm. Yeah. Why does that yeah. not work? Why does my resume not help me take hold of the kingdom of heaven? (laughs) Because it's something faulty to hold on to. And when we come to God, you have to understand that it's not about being good enough. There's no there's no such thing as being good enough for God. It is. Are you perfect or are you not perfect? (laughs) And it's going to be a not perfect (laughs) for 100 percent of the population. Every single person has to claim not perfect. That's why. We hold on to Jesus's resume. We don't hold on to our own resume. We say it is what Jesus has done for me. And because of what he's done for me, what's on his resume, you are made perfect. Yeah. And I think sometimes we probably sound like a broken record on this one because we come back to this a lot. But I think it's because this sense of works based, I want to get myself together to offer myself to God. Yeah is one of the most pervasive wrong worldviews that I hear out there, at yeah. least in Western culture. Absolutely. And it's damaging. It hurts you. It doesn't help you in any type of way. And I would go a step further. It excludes you from the kingdom of heaven. That too. Oh, that's harsh. If wow. what you're trying to rely on mm-hmm. as far as how you relate to God is what you bring, what you've done, how good you've been, you can't take hold of the kingdom of heaven that way. You can only have right relationship with God through Jesus. You can only come to Jesus when you recognize that you have nothing to offer in yourself. So if that's maybe you're hearing that for the first time today, I want to pause here and just give you a moment. Let that sit in. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, poor in spirit, spiritually bankrupt, recognizing I bring nothing. That's when I'm fit for the kingdom of heaven, because that's when I can really take hold of what Jesus has to offer. The free gift of salvation is available to you right now. If you've never taken hold of the gift of salvation that's offered through Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do, don't delay, take hold of it today, but only if you're poor in spirit. Only if you are at the place where you recognize, I bring nothing to the table. I offer nothing. I take hold of it as a child who lifts up their arms, who can't take care of themselves, who can't, can't even feed themselves. They lift up their hands to their mom or to their dad, and they rely on them for everything. That's the posture that makes you fit for the kingdom of heaven. The posture that with lifted hands so, that says, I have nothing but I want you. So if today you say, Jesus, I have nothing. I bring nothing. All of my attempts at good works, all of the things that I've tried to do to make myself good enough, they're nothing. But today I take hold of you. I want you to honest, have an honest conversation with God where you say, I'm poor in spirit. I bring nothing to the table. But Jesus, I know that that makes me ready for you. Have that honest conversation where you do a couple things. You confess that you're a sinner, that you believe that Jesus is the only way to right relationship with the Father. And then you repent, which just means you turn from the direction that you're going in, and then you go a new way. If that's you today, I want you to text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. Text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. I just want to pray for you, if that's you. Lord, for the person today who's recognizing for the first time that they are poor in spirit, and that's a good thing, I pray that you would flood them with joy, that for the first time they would feel the burdens that they've been carrying lifted, that they would be humbled before you, not relying on what they've done or not done, but looking totally to you and the price that Jesus, that you already paid. Help them to walk strong. Let the word of God take root deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, just text welcome, 312-274-9624. Discipleship to start your day. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, if you just missed it or you weren't paying attention, that Thanksgiving giveaway, get in on this $250 gift card to your local grocery store. Here's what we're telling you, Boom Crew. If you win this, we're going to have five winners from our area. If you win it and you need it, keep it. If you win it and you don't need it, give it away. That's the joy of this season. Keep it if you need it. Give it away if you don't. Everybody, though, in on this one. Just text the word thanks. We've got your entry form. And this one, wow, this one ends on the 10th. And that, if I'm, my calendar's right. That's end of the week, right? Yeah, because it's it's the 6th right now. Yes, because we want to get you those uh, grocery gift cards so that you can have plenty of time to prepare for Thanksgiving. So this uh, this one is done after this week. So go ahead and text the word thanks to 312-274-9624. Text the word thanks to 312-274-9624. Well, if we think about what it looks like to live a blessed life. Blessed are the, we see this repeated eight different times in the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Beatitudes, uh, based on the Latin root word, which means blessed or happy. The blessing here 
is that state of well-being in relationship to God. This came out of uh, some ESV commentary notes. It's a deep, profound joy that I'm right with God, that I'm my relationship with him is in sync. Mm. That's what blessing means here. So when it said, blessed are the poor in spirit, we talked about how that means that recognition that I bring nothing to the table. I'm poor in spirit. I am not bringing my resume and thinking that's what's going to allow me to take hold of the kingdom of heaven. I bring nothing. And when I recognize that, that's when I'm positioned to actually receive what's offered to me. But what about this one? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, at face value, you might think of this passage as it relates to grieving, right? Yeah, I would. First thought. The Mm -hmm. loss of, I mean, you don't usually talk about mourning outside of the context of loss. Loss of some kind. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, The loss of a loved one, the loss of... um, A home, the loss of any kind of thing, that Mm -hmm. there's a mourning and there's a grieving that's often associated with this. But in in kind of doing some research, this this is it's broader than that, that this sort of mourning is actually related to the more mourning losses related to our own sin. Mm. I didn't realize that. I did not either. Mourning the loss by our sin, the sin and brokenness of this world. You ever look at, you ever feel heartsick over what you see around you? Yes. Yes. That that's the kind of mourning that's talked about here. That mm. blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Wow. There's a comfort that follows us really seeing, mourning, and grieving, one, our own sin, two, the sin of the world. Yeah. I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah. In the passage that it's linked to, uh, I want to take you to 2 Corinthians 7.10, which says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Mm. There's a pain that comes with living in a fallen world where you're waiting for the kingdom, the kingdom of God that's already but not yet. There's a, a sorrow that's godly. That leads to repentance. When you mourn the weight of your own sin, when you look around you and see the sting, the pain of sin everywhere, mm-hmm. as Christ followers, we mourn. It's a weird, kind of a weird thing, right? Yeah, but it makes sense because, and I, and I can see where the blessing comes from. How so? Because... When you mourn in a righteous way, when you mourn over your own sin Mm -hmm. or over the brokenness of the world, you mourn in line with God's heart. Yeah. And I think that the more that we become like him, as he wants to do with us, make us more like him, then I think the more blessed we are because the closer we are to him. Yeah. I think you're right about that. And coming up, I want to tell you about a conversation that I had with my my husband just over the weekend, we were wrestling with something even before I looked at this passage. And I'm I'm curious to know if you have ever wrestled with this same thing. I'll explain coming up. Going from believers of Jesus to followers of Jesus. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There's a blessing that links to mourning. And this is beyond, we see in other places, 
in scripture that God comforts us when we are experiencing deep sorrow that's associated with the loss of a loved one, yeah. maybe the loss of a job, any sort of loss. We know that he's close to the brokenhearted. He saved those who are crushed in spirit. So we see that everywhere. So that is true that there's the comfort that's available to us that only God can give when we are brokenhearted. But this morning that's talked about here is a little bit different than that. This morning is specifically linked to the morning that comes as it relates to our own sin and the sin of this world. So here's what me and my husband were wrestling with the other day. Sometimes you can live sort of trying to protect having to experience really any kind of pain. Yeah. And you, and this is how it plays out. I, I guess for us, it's like, I can easily fall into if I'm okay, my immediate family is okay. My kids are good. If we hit that sweet spot where everybody's kind of doing good at the same time, it's awesome. Yeah. And you kind of want to stay there, like where you almost put blinders on, where you don't really want anything to kind of interrupt that sort of we've hit this sweet spot mm -hmm. where right now I'm not actively feeling the pain of anything in my circumstance. And we yeah. know that life is full of pain. Mm -hmm. So this sweet spot, like you want to hold on to it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> you're good. Yeah. Kids are good. Great. Like let's sort of keep this little bubble yeah. and let's not let the pain of anybody else, anything else kind of pierce that bubble. Yeah. I'm being, I, this is what we were wrestling with. Have you ever wrestled with that where you're like, okay, I'm good. So I think I'm just going to like, I don't really want to watch the news. Yeah, let's just stay here. <laughs> let's just stay here. I did that this morning on the way in because, you know, the Bears game, uh, you know, was getting me. And and I said, you know what? I'm not going to listen to a sports podcast today because I'm feeling good and I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> it's I, it's it's tempting because yeah. the, our human nature is to is to care most about the things that most directly affect us self-preservation yeah but when we look at a passage like this that blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted this is more than just me like kind of protect this bubble of i'm okay you're okay mm -hmm. let's just be happy yeah there's a for the christ follower we have to allow ourselves to mourn in a healthy way i.e to care about what's yeah. going on in the rest of the world. Absolutely. Because mm -hmm. it it will make you sad. It will. Yeah. And that's okay. It and is. I'm not suggesting that we walk around depressed. No. Far from it. But we have to uh, see things as God does. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to look at neighbors who appear affluent, who are working jobs, living life, be able to go, they're lost. Mm -hmm. They may not know it, but they're lost. Yeah. We have to be able to look at the pain going on in our city. And even if we're not directly affect, affected by it, we have to be able to, in a healthy way as Christ followers, mourn the violence that we see in our city, the brokenness. We have to be able to look at a situation with people coming across the border 
and ending up in our city. I'm not getting into politics, but we're talking about people, right. families yeah. with children. Yes. However, they ended up here. I was reading an article about a family about how now the weather is turning cold and you have families sleeping in tents with children who are up coughing all night, who are waking up shivering because they're sleeping in a tent on a sidewalk. We have to be able to look at those things. Can we fix every problem? No, but we have to allow our hearts to feel and mourn the pain of a fallen and broken world. Yeah. You feel that with me? Absolutely. Right there. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Our chief aim as Christ followers isn't to prevent pain from touching us. In fact, there's a healthy level of allowing yourself to enter into the pain of other people, even when it doesn't directly affect you. Even when by God's grace, you're good, your kids are good. It's okay to come out of the bubble and share in the pain of others because there's a comfort and there's a blessing that accompanies mourning. Get your morning crew at all times of the day. Follow Curl and Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. What does it look like to live a blessed life? That's what we've been talking about this morning. And we're going to spend this week really looking at doing a deep dive on the Beatitudes out of Matthew 5. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And well, those are the two that we're tackling today. What are your thoughts as we've been talking about this, this mourning? Blessed are those who mourn. I'm glad I know what it means now. Uh, <laughs> because, <laughs> I, so you know, I didn't, I didn't know that when it was talking about mourning, it was talking about mourning about our own sin and about the, you know, the things that God mourns about, the brokenness of the world. And... It makes sense because it's not to say that God doesn't comfort us when we're mourning about, you know, a general oh, yeah. loss of a family member or something like that. That's definitely you know, he, all over scripture. Yeah, absolutely. He still comforts us in those moments. But uh, it, I, I can see now why he says those who mourn are blessed because I think that there's a difference in the comforting between, you know, if I lose a family member and God comforts me, I am thankful that I have a God who comforts me. And in a way I am blessed. I have a God who comforts me in the midst of my loss. However, when I am mourning over my own sin and I have a God who comforts me in the midst of that, in the midst of my mistakes, in the midst of my depravity, there's so much more lifting off because I'm the one who caused the trouble. Yes. And I'm being comforted. Do you remember, do you remember a time where, your own sin didn't bother you? Yes. You remember a time oh, in your life where... Plenty. Absolutely. And you probably wouldn't have called it, even called it sin. No, but no. Think we, can, we can all remember a time where we didn't mourn our own sin. Yeah. Mm-mm. We reveled in it. Uh-huh. Maybe we didn't like the consequences of it, but we certainly <laughs> didn't feel the weight of... Owning it. Having grieved the Holy Spirit. No, no particular problem. acted in a way that was contrary to God's will and therefore feeling the pain and sting of that. Yeah. Mourning your own sin yeah. is what brings us to Christ. <laughs> Second Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation mm-hmm. and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Yeah. 
godly sorrow, godly mourning your own sin is is really healthy because you don't want to go back to that place where you didn't care. No, certainly not. No, no. Dangerous. Mm-hmm. Very dangerous. You know, I shudder to think. Eternally like, dangerous. Yeah. So this mourning, there's the mourning over our own sin. Then there's the mourning over the fallenness, the sin of this world. You know, when you look at what's going on in politics or in culture, and it's it's sometimes anger is our initial response. Anger. Hmm. But what if but if, what if we mourned? What if mourning was the response when we see things that we know grieve the heart of God? Yeah. What if instead of getting angry, we had a healthy kind of mourning that brought blessing and comfort? Coming up, we had a conversation with a really interesting conversation with a researcher who really uh, focuses a lot on the, the life issue. We think about the taking of a life inside the womb of a mother. That's cause for mourning. We're going to get an update, though, coming up from Dr. Michael New. He's going to be joining us. He's a senior associate scholar at the Charlotte Lozier Institute. He does a lot of research, looks at numbers and statistics and trends. Where are we at post-Dobbs here in Illinois and across the country? That's coming up. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. So ever since Dobbs came down in the Supreme Court and caused massive upheaval, right? In Absolutely. our political landscape. Yeah. And and it's almost like we who are committed to following Jesus Christ and following biblical precepts and understand the value of life, in many ways, that was a real watershed moment. And and now we kind of wonder. Boy, where do we go from here? And so we've brought a guest in to give us some real context on this and some numbers. Dr. Michael New, he is a social scientist who researches and writes regularly on sanctity of life issues. Where do we go here, Doc? It's it's a strange new world that we live in. Am I the only one feeling that? Nope, I'm feeling that as well, and I appreciate the chance to be on the show. Uh, one thing I've always said after Dobbs is that Dobbs creates lots of opportunities for pro-lifers, but also lots of challenges. And in the year or so, you know, we've done some really good things. Uh, there's 14 states that are protecting pre-born children throughout gestation. Another three or four states are protecting the pre-born after a fetal heartbeat can be detected. So we're doing a good job passing protective pro-life laws. Sadly, there's more than 30 states where abortion is still legal uh, pretty much throughout all nine months of pregnancy. Uh, Politically, we have been involved in those states, trying to get those state legislatures to pass good, strong pro-life laws. But one thing I always tell pro-life audiences is that no matter where you are, what you're doing, you can always build a culture of life. Even in a liberal state where the governor or the legislature is not pro-life, you can pray, you can support pro-life pregnancy help centers. Uh, I run a pro-life sidewalk counseling ministry outside the D.C. Planned Parenthood. Uh, I was there this Saturday morning. Uh, Sidewalk counseling and praying outside of abortion clinics, I think, is a very powerful witness. I think one of the best ways to build a culture of life. So, again, in the you know, months after Dobbs, the way I see it, lots of opportunities, but also lots of challenges. Now, there has been a uh, a narrative that we've seen that pro-life laws haven't really lowered abortion rates. And there's been numbers that that media has pointed to saying this hasn't made a difference at all. Uh, you are a social scientist. You look closely at this stuff. What do you say to that? Yeah, that's very misleading and unfair. 
Uh, essentially, um, you know, there's a group called the Society of Family Planning that's doing some tracking of abortion numbers. And they're trying to track abortions after Dobbs to abortions before Dobbs. And I don't really want to get into the weeds with some of the problems, but the main problem with their uh, analysis is that they only look at two months of data before Dobbs. That's not much data. You know, if they were comparing a year after Dobbs to a year before Dobbs, that might be interesting. But two months of pre-Dobbs abortion data doesn't tell us much. Uh, the best data we have on the positive impact our laws are having comes from Texas. They were actually enforcing a strong pro-life law before Dobbs. Uh, the Texas Heartbeat Act protected pre-born children after a fetal heartbeat could be detected. That took effect September 2021. So starting in like spring of 2022, I and some other researchers looked at birth data. And guess what? A record number of children are being born in Texas. Hmm. So we have very good evidence from Texas that many more children are being born because of the Texas Heartbeat Act. That abortions are hard to count, but babies are easy to count. Yeah. They make a lot of noise. They run yeah. around. Governments <laughs> do a pretty good job counting babies. It's and we good. see in Texas, again, a big increase in births. Texas had the largest percentage birth increase of any state in the country in 2022. Why? They're the first state to enforce a strong pro-life law. That's excellent. That's excellent. Dr. Michael New is our guest right now. Hang with us. We're going to give you his Twitter handle in just a moment. Okay, I don't even know what the proper term is for this. I've heard uh, I've heard things that I don't like, so I'm just going to ask you in general terms. What are the rise or decline of numbers of women and men that are traveling across state lines from states where abortion is not at the ready to states like Illinois, where you're speaking to us, that it is always at the ready? What are those numbers? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, interstate abortion numbers have increased. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. I mean, laws are important. You know, the law is a teacher. The law serves an important function. Um, but laws can be circumvented. And sadly, you know, there are thousands of women who are circumventing strong pro-life laws and obtaining abortions in states where the laws are more permissive. You know, and that's difficult. Uh, I think that as pro-lifers, we can support pregnancy help organizations to let people know that there's good in-state alternatives that are life-affirming. We can support groups like 48 for Life and Sidewalk Ministries that do try to intercept these women and offer some alternatives. And again, not every woman, you know, is obtaining abortion in another state. You know, many women are carrying pregnancies to term. Again, we do see that from the Texas birth data. You know, my study showed that. A study that actually appeared in the Journal of the American Medical Association. This is not a conservative outlet by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. You know, they're showing clearly that many women are, in fact, carrying pregnancies to term because of these strong pro-life laws. So, again, no one ever said this is going to be easy. You know, I think, as Winston Churchill said at one point, this isn't the end. It's not the beginning of the end. But maybe we'll be the end of the beginning. So we were working out for us, but you know, we are making real progress. Dr. Michael New, social scientist with us right now. So you do a sidewalk ministry outside of a Planned Parenthood in D.C. That caught my ear. Um, give me, yeah, give me a story. Like? What, is, what is that like? What are these conversations like that you have uh, outside Planned Parenthood? Uh, every day is different. You know, I mean, and this is a ministry where sometimes you don't necessarily see positive things happening in front of you every day. Uh, but it's a powerful witness. You know, prayers never wasted. So you just always do your best to be a good Christian presence and just offer some alternatives to women and their partners in need. Uh, last week, about, I guess, nine days ago, we had a turnaround. Uh, we were there praying. And a couple walked out of the clinic and just said, we're keeping the baby. 
And we thought that was great. Oh. And we prayed with them for a few minutes. Uh, one of our sidewalk counselors had a blessing bag. Uh, she gave it to them. I had some information about local pregnancy help centers. I gave that to them. You know, they thanked us and you know, went on their way. And there's also many other stories. I know there was a time um, a while ago we were praying and a car pulls up. And a woman kind of scampers out of the car, run the clinic. She took a pamphlet off us, and I walk up to the driver of the car, and I think all I said was, can you get her out of there? And the guy said, yeah. And I was kind of stunned. I thought he was just joking around. And the car starts up. He, okay, he's going to leave. He stopped about 20 yards later, pulls out the phone, texts the partner. She comes running back out. And we talk to him later. And he says, yep, I saw you guys praying out there. I just knew this was wrong. I knew that wow. we had to take this baby and carry it to term. So, wow. again, we don't see things like that happen every day. Wow. But, uh, you know, positive things do happen. I mean, everyone who's been out there for several months can probably identify at least one life that was saved because uh, they were a prayerful presence outside an abortion clinic. That is so cool. What a, what a, what a great guest you are, Michael. Dr. Michael New. Boom Crew, we want to do this from time to time. Bring in experts on specific areas that, frankly, we need some data. We need some facts. You can open up the Bible. You can't find data and facts for what's going on today. But Michael New helped us break it open here. Now, we don't often give these, but some of you are Twitter crazies. So jump into the Twitter crazy world. We got Michael's handle here. It's Michael underscore J underscore New. I'm going to say that again. Michael underscore J underscore new give them a follow spread the word michael underscore j underscore new michael you nailed it my man thanks for being with us today thanks for having me much appreciated get more from your morning show check us out on social media just search carl and crew mornings on facebook and instagram ali i have done one smart thing in my life thus far okay with regard to technology okay uh, I have not downloaded any games onto my phone. <laughs> you know why? Here's why. I am old enough to remember when Yahtzee went with an electronic Yahtzee. Ooh. It was a standalone Yahtzee game. You held that baby in your hand, and I took it with, what are you laughing about, Young Thunder? Oh, nothing. So I held the Yahtzee. You're de- denigrating this old man. That's what you're doing right now. I don't know. So I held this Yahtzee game in my hand. I was, and I actually took it with me to a family life weekend to remember where I was a plenary speaker at a marriage conference. And I kept hitting the restart. If I didn't spin like a Yahtzee on the first few turns, I'm cheating the game, you know, and I'm, I'm restarting it over and over again. I'm trying to get the high score. After about two hours of this, I said, this is insane. I spent two hours of my life on this picking Yahtzee game. <laughs> Stakes have been raised here, uh, sister. Just a little bit. Stakes and hours. How about this? The average child is on a screen 52.5 hours per week. You're kidding me. 52 and a half Whoa. hours per week on a screen. And 95% of kids play video games in some capacity. So... What about an option that's a better better than what's currently out there? We've got Brent Dusing right now with us right now, CEO and founder of True Play, a Christian gaming platform. Tell us more. Yeah, so at True Play, we're we're we've released a platform that's really high quality games um, and and a lot of entertainment options on one app. So it's on any phone, any iPad. Uh, very very high quality, world class stuff your kids will love. We just released it back in August. And we've had a bunch of families and children join uh, and subscribe. And it, it's really high-quality games like kids are playing on phones, on iPads. But everything we do, every piece of content delivers God's truth. Some of our games 
are based on the Bible, uh, like a game called Stained Glass, where you, you form stained glass windows through this puzzle game, and the stained glass windows come to life and tell you a Bible story. Cool. Uh, there's a game, King David's Battles, that we have coming out soon. And then other games are based on uh, a bunch of new characters that we've created, this, this beautiful kind of universe of characters who are a lot like kids today. So kids are dealing with um, all kinds of issues with, you know, one of the kids is getting bullied at school. One of the kids' parents are divorced. One of the kids is just very headstrong and believes in Jesus and is very, has a lot of spunk. But they go on these big adventures with, you know, bad guys and laser beams, and spaceships, sword fights against monsters. Um, but they also, God is with them. They, they pray, their scripture quoted, God shows up for them. And there's real evil that they have to combat. So it's a very kind of epic cool. stories and themes played out throughout the games. Why did you do, why did you do this? Why did you go start this platform? You know, you know, I was called to this by the Lord. The, the reality is this, only 31% of kids believe in God in America. Our children, are they, you know, all the stuff we see that's terrible in the world today, who's the biggest victim? Kids. Yep. Because they have the least agency and the least control over their lives. And, and so they're the victims of all this toxic, you know, content that gets pushed. You know, you talked about 52 and a half hours a week. Well, what are they doing? Well, social media, games, you know, movies, music. Well, games are the biggest time component of, of kids. You know, people think that it's movies, but ask yourself if you're listening as a parent or a grandparent, when's the last time – you know, how many times did you take your kid to the movie theater in the last month versus how many hours did they play a game on your phone? And it's, it's 10 to 100 fold the time. It's games where they're spending their time. And we've got to bring God's truth to children in a high quality way, because if children are falling away from their belief in the Lord, it's because they're not exposed to it. They're at church 30 minutes a week on average, right? Because only half, less than half of kids go to church. They're only there for an hour on average. So they're not seeing, they don't know who Jesus is. They don't, they're not aware of the, the truth and the beauty and the strength, honestly, of the Bible. They're not aware that God's, you know, that they're made in the image of God. You know, there's all this talk about identity and all these things. Your identity is as child of God. Your identity is who God made you to be. You know, your destiny Amen. is what God has for you. And th those are things that kids are going to have to learn early because they're not getting it anywhere else. Now, Brent, you know, interestingly, Many parents would want to just take go cold turkey, take the video games away. Now, you're not just offering up a safer, um, more palatable alternative. You actually contend that gaming is the ideal medium for exploring your faith. Why? What do you yeah. what do you mean yeah, by that? Be well, first of all, games is where kids are spending their time. And what did Jesus do? His strategy was, let's meet people where they are. Sure, he preached in the synagogue sometimes, but most of the time, what did he do? He was out on the roads out in the streets, went to parties, went to weddings, went to the hillsides, right, where people were, the fishing docks, right? He was where people were, number one. Number two, look, if your child, you know, a lot of times people say, well, they should just not play any video games. Look, if, if, if you found your child with a pornographic magazine, would you throw out all the books in your house? No. Uh, you throw out pornography. Good analogy. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. right. So let, let's focus on, it's not the medium, it's the message. If the message is bad, get it out. But here's the difference. Unfortunately, too often, well-meaning people have been, there's been a lot of con some content produced for kids, Christian entertainment, but the quality bar hasn't been there. And so it's hard to try to compare what a kid's being offered by the world from a quality standpoint yes. versus historically, right? So what we've done at TruePlay is we've delivered content. You can see, go to trueplaygames.com, 
really high quality content, just as good or better than the games they're playing. And our, 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 our response from our consumers backs up. So we don't sell Robitussin, right? Robitussin is, I know this doesn't taste good, but you need to drink it. It'll help your cough. <laughs> we, right? Uh, yes. We sell chocolate cake with vitamins and protein and calcium. So the kid wants to eat chocolate cake. And the mom's like, well, this is actually healthier for them than the cereal is going to give them. That's what True Play is all about. It's Love it. really high quality, fun stuff, just as good or better than they're getting on the app store. But God's truth is, is the foundation of everything that we do at True Play. What's your target age for this? Just so parents have some context if this is for their kid well, it's, or not. It's, it's, it's funny. So our target for the kids is 5 to 12, but we've had a lot of kids uh, that are, you know, 30 and older play too, if you know what I mean. <laughs> had, a lot of parents, had a lot of parents play. Well, because a lot of parents play games on their phones. I know you said, you know, you didn't, but a lot of people do. You know, most of the people who played Candy Crush, if you remember Candy Crush, oh, yeah. were adults. Yeah. And so a lot of the games on phones are played by adults. They're played by moms or played by grandmas. And as we've tested our games, we found we test with kids and have a lot of parents say, hey, can I play too? And then we found as we've released the subscription to people, you know, we sell a family plan. So, you know, you pay one time and everybody in your family can, can sign up and use it on their own device. And so we'll have parents play with their kids, compete for high scores, all kinds of things That's like that. That's awesome. Very cool. Trueplaygames.com. High quality, fun, biblically sound entertainment, gaming, video content. Check it out at trueplaygames.com. True without an E, by the way. Trueplaygames.com. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.